You're listening to episode 63 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chipper, and we are recording on Monday, November 22nd. Yay! <laughs> I feel like this is where we've hit the point of like so much stuff, like everything coming out. And yes. so now it's just a matter of trying to find the time to like watch everything. Watch everything and record everything. We wanted to do a Shang-Chi episode last week, but... It was my, um, the same weekend they dropped it on Disney Plus was my toddler's birthday weekend and we were hosting family and it was a mess. So we were just like, okay, let's do this and the wheel of time together. So it's a big episode. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited to talk to you about the wheel of time. Like obviously, but also yes. (laughs) Yes, I'm very excited to talk to you actually because I have non-spoilery questions. So just for some background on our Wheel of Time discussion, um, so that way you guys know whether to tune in or not. I have not read the books. Preeti has. So our discussion will only be what is on screen. If you want a more spoilery discussion of the books, Preeti has a podcast for that. (laughs) I do. It's called Tar Valen or Bust. (laughs) So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to that. when we get to that part. But let's start with big news Preeti has. Yay! Uh, so yeah, I've, earlier this month, I finally got to share that the big secret that I've been keeping for so long is that I am writing an original Spider-Man trilogy for Disney um, for Peter Parker. Like I get to write canon Peter Parker and I'm yes. very excited about it. <laughs> so this is a prose novel. It's a prose novel. All three of them will be prose novels. Mm-hmm. Not illustrated, although the cover uh, by Nicoletta Baldari is amazing for yeah, the first book, is. which is called Spider-Man's Social Dilemma um, and comes out July of next year. And yeah, it's a prose novel. It's like all one ongoing story. Um, Peter's 16 in the book, so he's only been Spidey for a couple months. It's kind of like upper middle grady, so like, 10 to 14 is the target age range, but I think it'll be fun to read for everybody, I hope. Yay. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so, I am very, very excited about this. The book is already available for pre-order. So we will drop some pre-order links in the show notes for you if you want to um, pre-order it, which I have not done yet, but I need to do it. (laughs) Um, I just, just remind me, I was like, oh, I haven't pre-ordered it yet. Um, I'll, yeah, this is the problem with having a friend who has like eight books come out every year. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you just, you're just like, oh, did I pre-order that one? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. I have to go back through my emails. I think I'll probably do a pre-order campaign for it at some point, which like, I, I don't know. What that, it'll be like, you'll get something like a signed book plate or something like that. Um, so if you do decide to pre-order it, just hold on to your receipt because that's kind of all it takes to get yeah. whatever the pre-order campaign thing is. Um, but yeah, if you, I would be very happy if you wanted to pre-order it. I think, I think, I think it's good. <laughs> I also think it's good not Thank having read it. Thank you. You, you know, you know more, I think, than probably anybody, yes, honestly. Yes, I was going to say, I do, I do have, I do have the inside track though. So I do, I do think it's really, I do think it's very intriguing. And so I'm really <laughs> excited about what you're doing with it. So thanks. Thanks. for everybody else to read it too. Um, and then some very quick housekeeping stuff before we get into the other other big news stuff for the last couple of weeks. Um, our Patreon rewards all went out. You should mm-hmm. have received them. If you didn't, let us know and we will figure out what happened. 
Yes, it might be. Um, give it. They all they went out mid to late last week, and so if you're international, it might take a little oh, while. Yeah. Um, so give it a couple of weeks, but it, by the end of this week is what I would guess. Um, hopefully some of you have received them already, but yeah, I think they. I I know they have because I got a text from oh good from one of our lovely supporters, Jordan. Who <laughs> said yeah? Okay, this. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> Um, and then also for the holiday card, if you want, um, there's still time to sign up to our to join our Patreon, uh, or you can directly PayPal us mm-hmm. three dollars. I think so. Yeah, right. That's what, that's what we said. Yeah. Three dollars for if you want to get a holiday card this year. Uh, it's PayPal dot me slash Stacy Geek Girls. That sounds about right. It's Thanks. on our Twitter account. We'll put it yeah. in the. Show yeah, notes. we'll put it in the show notes because I didn't write it down. Um, otherwise, uh, it's two dollars if you want to sign up to become a Patreon, a, yes. pa- a patron. <sighs> and those will uh, the cutoff for those is um, twelve one. And usually we are, we have some flexibility with the cutoff, but this time I don't think we have much. So mm-hmm. if you want a holiday card, please um, like sign up for Patreon or. Send us a PayPal, and when you send us a PayPal, make sure you put your mailing address in yes. the uh, note to you know recipient or whatever, so we know where to send it. Yes, uh, I think they're going to be fun this year, even though I haven't done the crappy Photoshop job yet. Yes, yes, deliberately, I think... deliberately crappy. Yes, it's an art. <laughs> it is. It's an art. Uh, all right, so you you have some Star Trek Discovery yes. news. The first episode of Star Trek Discovery dropped last uh, Thursday. Um, so there's some not great news surrounding Star Trek Discovery this season. Um, so basically, Viacom CBS um, basically pulled Star Trek Discovery from its international distribution partner, which is Netflix, the day before the series was going to drop, pulled all the former seasons and announced that the new season would not be available anywhere internationally outside of U.S. and Canada, I think, until uh, Paramount Plus debuts in those regions. Um, For a lot of Europe, it's early 2022 is the the projected date, but for some areas of the world, it's like, who knows – and it was the like literally the day before the show, like Wednesday, that and the show d- dropped on Thursday. And it's just like it's a mess because it's a mess on multiple levels. Um, one because um, you know it's just like it's denying people the chance to see this show, which is going to inevitably lead to it getting spoiled for them. It's put a lot of dampener on the excitement. People who have seen the show, like me, aren't talking about it because I don't want to ruin anything right. for people. You know, even using hashtags and stuff is still going to, like, people are still going to see spoilers and I don't want to talk about it. And I'm, I'm not covering anywhere officially. I should say that too. And right now I'm really glad I'm not because it's, I, I don't know, it's, like, I understand that negotiations between streaming networks and stuff that's above our pay grade but like come on like I just I'm not thrilled about this decision and I think no a lot of people are not talking about Star Trek Discovery now because no like it's just it leaves a bad taste and and I know like the actors and stuff are really like they found out about the same time we all did and a lot of like even the showrunners found out about the same time the rest of us did and they're like even tweeting about how shitty it is 
and it's it's a bad bad situation all around it and just so seems like short-sighted i don't understand like i do understand wanting to put it on your own network totally of course i understand that but why wouldn't you leave it in place until you have the infrastructure until right? you launched and then pull it like so just let season four of star trek discovery go as is and then whatever the next show will be probably star trek picard start with that one like right? you're not missing anything with one season of a show and you're just alienating a lot of international fans. Yep. I, just, I think it's a bad idea, bad idea. That being said, I will say I am enjoying the first season of Star Trek Discovery. I've seen the first four episodes. Um, so I, I do think it's good. I think if you liked season three, you will like season four. If you hated season three, you will not like season four. <laughs> like, I think that's like, there was a big seismic shift in the show, the storytelling everything between seasons two and three some people really liked the first two seasons and did not care for what they're doing what they switched to um others like me i liked both you know like but anyway it's just if you liked what they did last season you'll like what they did they were are doing this (laughs) season if not you won't so that's kind of the rundown of I still need to it's like it's like one of those things where I'm like it's on my list I want to watch it I've seen the first like several episodes of the first season the first season is honestly there's so many ups and downs with the first season that like it is a little bit hard to recommend Mm -hmm. because it it gets better and better and better it is one of those shows that I think has just improved upon itself but the the first it, it does start out really rough and have some rough points and get you know like and so it's just it is hard and like Star Trek Picard, which also has rough points for sure and weird editing and weird storytelling, but it starts off so strong. Mm -hmm. Those first three episodes are so good that like you are completely hooked by the time some of the rougher parts come around. Yeah, because Picard, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens next. Right. Discovery, like I I liked what I saw. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. I just was, something else was always replacing it at the top of my list of what to watch next. Yeah. And not because I didn't want to watch it, but the other thing just felt more exciting. Yeah. But I am going to do it. Yeah, it's good. I do rec- I do highly recommend it. I don't want people to think I'm like down on it. I, I, I love Discovery. I, I think it's fantastic. I think what they are doing with representation in that show is groundbreaking and shocking. And like I have heard many people say it's the best example of like an LGBTQ found family situation than like shows that focus as mm-hmm. that as a primary narrative. Like just it's amazing. I'm so it, it is like it. the like, but the problem it. is that doesn't really start until like season three. Like so much of the like stuff I love about the show, I really like seasons one and two. Pike is one of my favorite characters in this new Star Trek universe, but I feel like a, so much is season three. Maybe I should just like I should catch you up on season one and have you start with season two because I think that's where that's not um, a bad idea. Yeah, so maybe we'll do that at some point. Because I'm, I'm struggling a little. I also have my like next gen episodes that I want to watch after our yeah. whole like Q thing. I I want to shout out very quickly that someone on Twitter was like, I really like the Castiel and Dean and Q and Picard comparison. Yes, I was like, I yes. <laughs> fandoms upon fandoms upon fandoms. I know. I felt very validated. Yeah. <laughs> As well, you should have. Um. Okay. So moving on. This next one's you. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there was a movie either just coming out in theaters or a, it's it's out now um, called 
India Sweets and Spices uh, by Geeta Malik. And I, it, it's really sweet. It is, I think, the ideal of what Swapna and I have spent years talking about, where we have these stories, we have these very specific stories, um, finally kind of coming out and hitting the mainstream in a really wonderful way. And so uh, there are a few people doing this on Twitter, but if you want to see this movie and feel safe, I should say, going to the theater, like you're mm-hmm. in an area where you feel safe doing so, but you can't afford it or like whatever it is, um, I'm going to buy five tickets for people. So if that's something you're interested in, like DM me with a screenshot of your purchase, like your receipt for your purchase, and I will PayPal you in your PayPal and I'll PayPal you the amount of the ticket basically. Um, I can only do five, so first come, first serve. But just hit me up on Twitter at Run With Skizzers and send me a DM and we'll we'll make it happen. Yes. Yay! Um, all right, next is like Preeti getting into like conspiracy theory. No, like, okay. <laughs> she, has a, she has like a board in her office with like push pins on like string from yeah, like sure. one push pin to another. <laughs> Like, we're talking, like, serial killer board. <laughs> All right. So there was a lot of Marvel news in the last couple of weeks, obviously. Disney did their whole Disney Plus day mm-hmm. um, where they released, like, a bunch of stuff. So before we get into my conspiracy theorist stuff, which is a big part of my personality now, um, we did get to see very short teases of Ms. Marvel she-hulk and moon knight and we got like release dates and things like that and there were like all of these like launches um the ms marvel thing looks really cute Mm -hmm. like it looks it looks like it's bringing the feel of reading that first volume to the screen yes like i'm it just i was like so excited just by that short clip i saw yeah, me too. I think it's um, I'm I'm really excited to see what what it comes. It is. I, d- I believe it did get delayed a little it bit, did. but that's okay. Um, you know, I am all for taking the time, like especially after the pandemic, just like take the time you need to get it right mm-hmm. rather than rushing it out the door. You know, and then having it be a subpar experience. Yeah, I agree. I did hear that there was something where they they're trying to reconsider. I don't know how true. Like a lot of this is rumor. Um. But figuring out Kamala's powers, yes, because of you know, in the comics, she's inhuman, like whatever. And obviously, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has to restructure that based on what they've decided. And so i I don't know if that's what it is, but I know that there was talk about shifting her powers, which and- I think are really intrinsic to the character and her narrative. and mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'll give the benefit of the doubt here, but I really hope they keep her powers as is. I think Sana Amanath is heavily involved. You know, she yeah. moved over from the comics to um, uh, the TV side and to the, the uh, filmmaking and television side. And she, of all people, would have a very deep understanding of what it is. So, like, I, I trust her and I trust them to, like, hopefully figure out what will work best and still maintain the character's integrity exactly that's yep like if you change her powers okay but do it within the spirit of the character Mm -hmm. i guess is all i'm asking for but um and then the a trailer that dropped (laughs) (laughs) so there's a new spider-man no way home trailer oh my god 
good. Um, there are so many theories about this. So, like, there's just like <laughs> this is like the conspiracy theory shit of the internet. Like at this point, this is where we've gone. And the thing is, like, it's pretty clear at this point. Like, the conspiracy theorists are right. Like, it's I not. No. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, there's one point where it's clear that they've edited other Peters out of the, like, like, out of the footage. Like, there's one point where one of the, I can't remember which villain it is, but one of the Lizard. villains gets, like, Lizard <laughs> gets punched. And, like, there's nothing, there's punching, nothing him. punching him. <laughs> like, it's, like, okay, okay. Which I, is fine, you know, it's one of my criticisms about, um like, Marvel maybe a little bit is that they do reveal a lot in the trailers. Like, I feel like Thor Ragnarok, leaving the fact that the Hulk shows up, for the movie would have been such a great experience mm-hmm. so i don't hate that they're not they're, they're letting you know i don't hate it it's just it's really funny to me it is really funny and well the other thing is marvel like notoriously lies in their trailers yeah. like there were entire scenes in that endgame trailer that were not in the movie yeah and i don't think it was like an early cut i think it was like deliberate you know, deliberately trying to confuse or like, you know, make us not be able to know what happened, whatever. But one of the most fun things to me is like, and and Swapna as well, as evident by our entire friendship, is like coming up with like absurd ideas about- Picking apart these things. Yeah. And it's not that I really think any of this is going to happen or like whatever, but I just think it's fun because, you know, it's- it's not about guessing and it's not about like, oh, I was right. This thing happened. It's like, I have to wait so long to see this movie. And this is just a really fun way to like keeping, to stay engaged with what's going and on. To keep so like, expressing your salmon. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I definitely think Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in this movie. Like a hundred percent. I don't care how many times Andrew Garfield is like, no, says. <laughs> I'm not like buddy it's like I'm doing art films like tick tick boom now yeah like, shut no. up no you're not you're still Spider-Man you're, you're freaking Peter Parker buddy I know you are because there's that shot in the trailer where uh MJ is like it's classic Spidey like MJ is falling and it's like the camera's looking down at her and her hands are like reaching out and we saw Kirsten Dunst do it and we saw Emma Stone do it and now we're seeing Zendaya do it and I am a hundred percent sure that it is not going to be Tom Holland who saves her. It is either going to be, I think it will be Andrew Garfield or Toby Maguire. I think right? be, I think it'll specifically be Andrew Garfield because Same. didn't Emma Stone die in that yes. second? Yeah, okay. So yeah, I think it'll be Andrew Garfield. Yes. Yeah. Like may I love Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, actually. I think he did a really, really good job as Spider-Man. I think the writing for Peter Parker was all over the place in those amazing yeah. Spider-Man movies. Um, the minute he puts the suit on, he's so good. When he doesn't have it on, it's like the, they couldn't figure out if they wanted him to be like emo or if they wanted him to be traditional Peter Parker or whatever. So he just like moves wildly between these different versions of Peter. And yeah. I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think it was like they were trying to like, both be trendy but also maintain the character like it was very strange that said amazing spider-man 2 is mm, yeah yeah rough stuff and so i am looking forward to andrew kind of getting some of that like 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 hayden coming back to be anakin yes getting a chance to like redeem it a little bit yes so he i i fully think he's gonna be in it 
Sorry, speaking of, the, I forgot one thing that we didn't put on the Sabine. Oh, right. right, right, okay. right, right. Keep, but let's keep going with Spider-Man and just remember to talk well, about that next. It's not, there's not really all that much to say except that I think he's in the movie. I do, I do want to note that there is this funny way of sort of analyzing these trailers that I've noticed where they'll pick, like there's never a moment where I'm like angry about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like mad about random scenes in these trailers one because who knows if they're going to end up in the movie two because like i haven't seen the movie but Mm -hmm. there's this scene that made it that i was like this is ridiculous where doc ock is like clearly i think doc ock's gonna be like the new mentor or something um (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i just did the like tentacle facing (laughs) facing the camera but so doc ock is like clearly like i think like right after uh realizing this is not his peter parker is like floundering a little bit and so he's standing under inside like a, a broken factory i don't really know where they are uh but peter mj and ned are there and they're like who are you and he says otto octavius and they all start laughing and to me, it made me laugh really hard because it's that that old adage of like, no one can tear you to shreds like a teenager can tear you to shreds. Just yeah. like, I think it's like a John Mulaney joke where it's like they will hone in on the thing that makes you feel most absurd or like your biggest, you know, the things that make you feel bad about yourself and like heightened. And that's what that said to me. But I know a lot of people are like, oh, they can't even take their own name seriously. But that's a very Peter no, thing to do, yeah. I feel. Like he makes, yeah. And like the like look on his face and his tentacle just like drapes. And it's like <laughs> so the funny thing. Oh my god, I laughed. Like I watched that scene like eight times. And you guys are like, no, I don't like really like online video. And I watched that scene like eight times. It's so because good. it was so funny. <laughs> and I do really like that they are kind of setting it up that Peter is going like like uh, Doc Ock is going to become a little bit of a mentor mm-hmm. maybe to Peter and he doesn't maybe want to kill all these Spider-Man villains and like it's a very this universe Peter Parker like MCU Peter Parker like thing to you know like mm-hmm. what if I can save that like I it's it's I think this movie is going to be really really good and game changing um for the MCU and I'm really I'm, excited I know I'm really nervous though because yeah, Tom Holland did do too. an interview he was like, it's really sad. And I immediately thought of like how Peter Parker's story and end, well, ends in quotation marks uh, in Bendis's Ultimate series, which is like I read that when I was at a conference or something. And I was just like in my hotel room, ugly crying over the end of like Peter Parker's story uh, that like, you know, ma- paves the way for Miles Morales uh, to take center stage in the Ultimate Universe. But like, <laughs> I'm so yeah. scared. But yeah. also, like, yes, it is a very, like, Peter thing to do. And it is also one of the parts of the PS4 storytelling that I really liked is that Otto starts out as this mentor and starts out as this person that Peter really connects with and cares about and has a connection to because they love science so much. And they yeah. they have this, like, similar perspective that then obviously branches. So. I don't know. I think it's bringing a lot of interesting and exciting ideas, which, but within the scope of the MCU, which yeah. we'll see how that goes. I think what's going to be an interesting conversation when we start talking about Shang-Chi is 
a little bit of the limits of what happens when the MCU has been going for like yeah, I really, I really want to get into some of that the Shang Chi stuff because that'll be very interesting. But before we do that, let's talk Star about. Wars. So I when we talk when you mentioned Hayden, I was like, there is some Star Wars news. Yes. I swear that I could, and like it is that is unofficial, has not been confirmed, but that they've cast Sabine Wren um, in Ahsoka, which pretty much confirms at this point what we have suspect. If this is true, obviously it could not be true. What we have suspected, which that the Ahsoka series is going to be basically. Star Wars Rebel season five. Yes. Which I am totally here for. A hundred percent understand people who are like, uh, like I a hundred percent get it. I, 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 I do not agree because like, this is like made for me, but it's not made for a lot of people, which I I get, I do, I do, I get it. But as a person who loved Clone Wars and loved Rebels and like, just, I want to see the end of that story. I am really, really excited. We will, I am like, at this point, pretty certain we will do like an episode by episode, like yes. podcast. Hundred percent. We like we are gonna just, like dig in. We need it. We deserve yeah. this. We waited we for do. so long. Uh, the actress's name is Natasha Liu Bordizo, uh, uh, yeah. who is cast as Sabine. Um, I just, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm just so excited. I just want to know so badly i want to know what happened to ezra i want to know what where is ezra yeah like where is ezra i i want i need to know He's hanging um, out in space with thrawn yeah like like <laughs> I, I just need to know i'm dying to know uh the uh, i guess there was also though uh in the last few weeks the news that hayden is coming to the obi-wan series that was the other thing mm-hmm, disney plus mm-hmm. day they didn't give us like a teaser or anything. There was no. just some like concept art, but Ewan did like a mini little featurette interview. Yeah, on Obi-Wan, which is coming next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be exciting. I think like this year is a little bit the year of Marvel and next year is going to be a little bit the year of Star Wars, it seems like, with like yeah. stuff coming out and you yeah. know, stuff like that. So I don't know. It's... We'll see. I'm I'm a little nervous about the Obi-Wan Anakin stuff. Not, not because I think it'll be bad. Like obviously I th- – I- we're all very excited. But Obi-Wan's story between A New Hope, between, not be- literally between, but like uh, acknowledging A New Hope, Clone Wars, Rebels. Like we have like a very. And the comics. The, and the comics. One of the questions I have is the story of both Darth Vader and Obi-Wan has been told in a lot of cases in the comics mm-hmm. between episodes three and four. And like. Like I don't, I don't want. I, 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 I just, I don't know what. To, like I don't know what story they're going to tell. Like I'm very curious because there are these, and it's not like they were just like uh, one offs or whatever. There are just really engaging, heart wrenching moments that happen in yeah. the comics and in these animated series. Like, are they going to pull from that? Are they going to like the whole? Um, Oh, is it Rebels season three? I think where as right the Twin Suns episode, the finale where Ezra ends up on Tatooine, and we see Obi Wan and Darth Maul's final interaction, yeah. and it's so good. I'm just so curious, like what what this is going to bring to the table in terms yeah. of new story and new, like if there's going to be anything revelatory. Yeah, I. Yeah, I just I don't know what else quite there is to reveal, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see. Like Ewan's mm-hmm. fantastic, like Hayden's fantastic. Like I, I'm excited to see it, but I am a little bit nervous. Um, yeah, I hope, we'll see. You know, yeah, we'll see. 
Okay, that is a lot of news, but yeah, that is I was all like, of I did not news. expect to have like a half hour of news talk before we get into our two big topics. Oh my god, this is gonna be the longest episode of all. Time. I know, I know, and we're not sorry. No. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Shanti, I actually don't know how long of a conversation this is going to be because mm-hmm. I don't know I, if there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start with: Did you enjoy the movie? I thought it was super fun. Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I honestly, I wasn't, I didn't go into it with high expectations, not because I, you know, like it, because Marvel has not treated its like Asian not treated Asians well in the past, A. Uh, and then B, the comics surrounding him are pretty campy. So just not super, at least what I've seen. And so like not super high expectations, but I really liked it. I thought it was really fun, really, um, really, you know, interesting story, you know, beautiful visuals. I thought it was, I thought it was good. The fight scenes were fantastic. Yeah, like, it, it felt very like back to basics Yes. To me, which was nice, you know, um, this is kind of where we maybe we can have this like mini thing at the mini conversation at the top, which is so where the Iron Man came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi came out in 2021. So we're 13 years into the MCU. And what started out as such like a great um, asset to the MCU Mm -hmm. which is like all this interconnected movies and like it felt like the comic books where everything impacts everything else and blah 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 at points can feel like a little bit like an albatross now because there's such like a they're so beholden to their own world and the lore that they've created where every single thing has to make sense which in the comics it does not Mm -hmm. like there's so many comics and like for the most part there is this sort of continuity however like you will find issues you will find broken pieces you will find whatever and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day whereas with the movies they like have to get it right and with comics you're not no they never expected anybody to read all of them Mm -mm. you just focus on what you your character the characters you like what you're reading so you can do things in other spaces that don't really you know make sense or don't really you know aren't super compatible with what you're doing in other books like generally Mm -hmm. speaking like they keep track of which characters are where what current characters are doing but especially like going back but when you're drawing from some like how many mystical places in asia are there right (laughs) like it's just like it's just it's, it's it's like it starts getting really like really we've had dr strange a mystical place in asia mm-hmm. we've had you know like the shang chi we've had i know it's not like i don't know i don't think it's canon anymore but iron fist like it's just like <laughs> okay like and this was i feel like shang chi though did a really good job where it just it didn't none of the, you can watch this movie and like there's some like minor references but mm-hmm. like for the most part you could watch it and it you don't have to have seen 10 12 years of marvel movies to watch this movie yeah right like i didn't have, i watched it with my parents and usually like when we watched black widow which was also fun and fine mm-hmm. um i deposit like every seven minutes i felt like to explain something like shang chi i didn't have to do that yeah because it was just like you can just sit down and watch this movie and and it was kind of refreshing yes like i do i do i very much agree with that um it was very um it did stand on its own very well um 
I, you know, God, I, I, there's so many things I liked about it. I, mm-hmm. it was very fun. It, it was very funny. It was, you know, you know, great. The characters were great. I just, the scenes were great. It's a beautiful movie, like just very beautiful. Um, I don't think there's a lot we can say right now about how it ties into the bigger MCU, which is, I feel like usually our topic of conversation when we talk about MCU yeah, movies, that's true. because it's just, it doesn't. It, and that that's why it was refreshing. Like you said, uh, but there's not a lot in terms of, you know, like Wong shows up at the end and that's kind of, ugh, was it the end or in the post credit scene? I can't remember. But he either should, way. So there's like a post credit scene. He's in the movie very briefly yeah. in, in the middle, but just kind of like a little fun cameo. Right. Um. No, I agree. I think what... So okay, let's let's dig into it a little bit. So you have uh, Shang Chi Simu Lu, who is in California. Yeah, clearly, goes by like Sean. he goes by Sean. He uh, is a valet with his best friend, uh, played by Aquafina, mm-hmm. and you, as the movie goes on, you find out he's actually the son of Tony Leung's characters, Zhu and Wu who is the uh who's been living for like 10,000 years or something with the power of the 10 rings which are these like golden rings that go around his forearms um and Sha- like Sean took himself out of the story essentially like walked away ran away whatever and now is like getting pulled back in at the top of this movie because he has this like pendant that his mom gave him that his dad needs. And so he's attacked in this great bus fight sequence. That is one thing I really liked about this story. It is an origin story without being an origin story. Do you know what I mean? Like it is like, he is already formed as Shang. Like he is already Shang-Chi. Like he is, he is like, he has just rejected that identity Mm-hmm. It, but it's not that this is in some ways it is it's an origin story and so that it tells us the origin you know there's a lot of flashbacks but it's told in flashbacks like this is a fully formed guy and like I, I did really like that like I, I like mm-hmm. that it was something different on the origin story <laughs> I will say so like the, sh- the movie I think falls a little bit prey to the mo- the most interesting characters are not the main character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, Simu Lu is fine. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, fun and fine as Shang-Chi. Um, <laughs> during the fight scenes with Tony Lung, though, <laughs> my mom kept being like, well, his dad's a much better fighter. His dad should win. And obviously, Tony Lung's been doing this for like 30 years. Yeah. And Simu Lu, as much as we love him, is not yet an action star. Like, that is not his bread and butter. That is not, you know. It just was like a – and also, like, I found um, Menger Zhang, who plays Shang-Chi's sister, as so much more interesting. Like, the end where she is just like, oh, I'm not going to dismantle the Ten Rings like my Mm. brother thinks I am. I'm rebuilding it in my own – you know, and she is going to be, I am so curious to what they do with her character. Like, Shang-Chi, I'm curious what they do with him too. But her, like, yeah. Right, I'm that's like, a, oh, I want to know what we're doing with her. That's what I mean is, like, I found, like, I almost, and they'll never do this, obviously. Um, but I was like, 
this movie would have been 8,000 times more interesting if she had been the main character. Mm -hmm. I think so. Because her story is told on the sidelines. And so we get these like bits and pieces of how she wasn't allowed to train. You know, she was never, she, she taught herself based on watching the way her father's assassins trained, based on watching the way Shang-Chi trained, all of that. She taught herself. She became this amazing fighter. She built her own empire. She was abandoned. She was abandoned by her brother. It's like, that's the story, right? And as a result of our long history of comics and long history of these characters, Shang-Chi was the focus of this movie. And I almost like I I again I really liked it. I thought it was a fun movie, but I think it would have been something so special if just the narrative weight had been shifted to the sister. And the question is like, why can't you? Like, and I guess that's I guess this is the thing that Marvel, if you're going to be beholden to all the characters in the comics and not be willing to like turn that type of stuff around and mm-hmm. be like, okay, well, this is the traditional narrative but we could make it more interesting by focusing on like when, (laughs) like when are we going to get that kind of more subversive storytelling, I guess, because like, like Ragnarok, Black Panther, these were leaps in story in in quality of storytelling in the Mm -hmm. Marvel universe. But we, but you know, I'm ready for, yeah, now what? Like I'm ready for the next level. And I guess, and that I guess is the, because like, I feel like we're talking about Shang-Chi and we're both like, we really liked it. We really liked it and did, I did. I really liked it, but I felt, I feel like it was an entertaining movie yes. and I wanted it to be, it was, you know, like I, I would have loved. And I will also say, as long as we are beholden to Marvel, the Marvel, uh, as long as we're beholden to the Marvel comics, like we're, we're never going to get any kind of cultural specificity within Asia because it's always going to be a mystical place in Asia because Marvel didn't care about Asians like Marvel comics. There's no nuance there. And Mm -hmm. so I would love, you know, I would, I have been told there's a lot of Chinese specific storytelling within uh, Shang-Chi. And I think that's fantastic. And I just, you know, it would be cool if we could take it to the next level, I guess. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I think this idea of sort of subverting our expectations a little bit in making that next move, I don't know that we'll get from sort of, like we were saying earlier, this massive world of storytelling, Mm -hmm. because there are so many different interests that now every movie has to exactly uh, participate in and and. Mm has they have to consider when they are being created and that I think makes it more difficult for kind of interesting not I shouldn't say interesting this movie was interesting this movie was fun but for um like uh, giving us something new and unexpected I think is a little more difficult that is what it is this was really it was a fun movie like I will definitely watch it again and again and again but it was not unexpected Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it went exactly like I expected it would. Yeah. Um, some things that I think we absolutely want to shout out. The, the, the one unexpected thing that happened where I straight up oh yelped. I lost my mind. Right? Ben Kingsley shows up. 
<laughs> as the Mandarin. As the Mandarin, because that was a big issue people had with the Iron Man series is like, they're like, why is Ben Kingsley playing the Mandarin? And so mm-hmm. we get reasoning for it, which is he was just some guy yeah. who who took on the mantle. But Ben Kingsley shows up as like, turns out he they retconned it, which I am not always on board with retconning, 100% on board with this retconning, that he was an actor who was sort of duped into taking Actually, this role. I think that was in Iron Man 3. Was it? Yeah, that's it. And big reveal of Iron Man, one of the big reveals at the end oh, of Iron right. Man 3. That it's Trevor. Yes, And he's I an actor and he's not the real bad guy. He's not the real bad guy. Yeah. But we didn't, like, I can't remember how his story ended and if we knew he survived, but... Turns I out mean, never expected to see him. Again. No, I like lost it because he's been kept in like the dungeons. Yeah. Of of Tony Lung's like uh in like a stronghold or whatever. And he's so fun. And he's clearly like Ben Kingsley is clearly having like the time of his life playing yes. Trevor. Yes. With um what is the little thing's name? I don't remember, but it was so it was like so weird cute. looking and cute. It looks like kind of, it's like a chicken without a head, basically, yes, but like, like very cute. Like very like I don't even know. It, it was looks really like cute. the the footstool from Beauty and the Beast yes, that did, the puppy did, turned into. Yes. yes. <laughs> also, I want one of those like giant like lion dragon things just to like romp around my yard. Those animals were so cute. So All cool. the mythical creatures. Um, mm-hmm. That was just that scene too. Uh, ben Kingsley was a highlight. Michelle Yeoh obviously yes. is a highlight in any movie she shows up in, and like um, the casting in this was fantastic. I will say, like, oh, it was really good. It was really fun. There's a a quick, like, another very excited moment I had was recognizing Master Guangbo. Uh, was played by Ai Wen, who was the landlord in Kung Fu Hustle, and which is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I was watching, I was like, oh my god, it's a landlord! <laughs> and just, like, waiting for the landlady to show up. It's like, I, you know, Shang-Chi was, like, a really, really fun movie. It was a and fun movie, yeah. It was, you know, it was just, you know, like we said, the most interesting aspects of it were the characters surrounding Shang-Chi, not necessarily yeah. Shang-Chi himself. Um, so it finally connects, connects though, to the MCU at the very, very end in the post credit sequence. Right. right when, um, Wong, Benedict Wong, uh, from Dr. Strange shows up and is like, we need you. And like pulls them through one of the things, the portals into Dr. Strange's house. And it's, uh, Aquafina and Simu Liu and they're standing there and they're holograms of, uh, Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel across from them. And it's just kind of like, okay, you're going to, th- that scene felt very like, okay, now you're going to be a part of the MCU. Yeah. Like, right? yeah, that, that's exactly how it felt. And um, that brought up a lot of questions because first they're trying to figure out what the 10 rings are. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously going to become important in whatever direction they're taking this, whatever phase, like 85 of you know, the <laughs> MCU. I don't even know. Like, I lost track count after like phase four. Um, so I think I think that's going to become important. Like, mm-hmm. what are they? Who are they? You know, like who created them? Um, Bruce Banner. Did we know that he returned to his human, not Hulk form? When was the last time we saw him? End game. And he. I ben- remember seeing him in the in the in with the cast as Hulk, but I can't remember. Like, did he show up at Tony's funeral? Because Hulk no, wasn't. He- a t- was he? Was he? A, no, he was a 
right? He was at Tony's No, like and that's he the had thing. Like, to have been. He, he was a hologram. Where is he? Somewhere on Earth? Is he somewhere not on Earth? So like, I have a lot of questions around that. Obviously, Captain Marvel is like out doing her thing. Hmm. Yeah, it didn't really do anything but open a lot of questions. I feel like, yes. and and I should say that neither you nor I have seen the Eternals. No, so we have not. If any of this is answered in the Eternals, like we don't know. Yes. Um. Because. The closest drive-in theater to me is like an hour away. Yeah. And I'm just too lazy to go and I'm not and sitting inside just, of a room yet. <laughs> I just am not. Yep. I'm not. I didn't. Not there I yet. wasn't great about going to the theaters before the pandemic. So you can imagine how I feel now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, like, and from what, I've under, from what I've heard from the critics reviews, I'm not paying somebody $20 an hour to watch my kid for four hours to go see that movie. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't. I it's. I've heard mixed. Things, I just heard it's fine. Like I've heard yeah. it's fine, but like fine is usually like I would like to watch it at home. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. I did see the scene of the Bollywood song. Oh, I've not wa- seen this scene. It's it's I've a never clip. Even heard of the scene? Okay, it's a clip, and it's Kumail Nanjiani, um, because he's like a big. His thing is he's a big Bollywood actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's his like cover. Um, but the song is in English. Okay. Which I was like, why? 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 That's a decision. Why? I just, I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, why? Uh, Because they were fine with putting in the, in the first Iron Man movie. Yes, they were, weren't they? Um, (laughs) So I guess I'll find out when the Eternals eventually comes to Disney. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that long, honestly. Like, No, I don't um, think so either. But it seems to be doing, like, fine in theaters, so. That's Which is great. Oh, that's great. Like, it's a, it's a, I will say, like, I'm not being very nice about the movie, but it is great for representation, like, that it's doing well. Um, but um, great representation is enough. We need good movies, too. Yeah. And I heard, again, I heard, the t- from what I've read, it's very mixed. Yes. Like, some people really, really like it. Some people did not like it. Like. And honestly, and- I am very forgiving when it comes to movies. Like, I don't have strong opinions. If it's entertaining, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm not somebody – I don't have, like, strong negative opinions usually unless, like, there is something, like, really, really, really bad. Wrong. Like, yeah. I want to enjoy things. So if, like, I'm going to spend two and a half hours watching a movie in the evening, chances are I'll find something to enjoy. So True. Um. So, yeah, the minute Eternals does become available, maybe we'll – eat our words and we're both gonna be like this is the best movie I've ever seen yeah I hope so I hope so I want to love it like I do and so <laughs> uh but I think that's all I have to say yeah, kind of I think so I think we um I think uh I think verdict is it was great we sh- people everybody should watch it um I would have loved for it to be more subversive but it is um it was a fun movie yes um, yes Okay, so now Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. Okay, so the the spoiler bounds is if you we, this is going to be very spoilery about the first three episodes of the series. So if yes. you have not watched them, skip the discussion. It will not spoil anything in the books. Like if I ask Preeti a question, like because I'm gonna ask some questions, um, and it is like a hu- big spoiler for the books, um, then she will skip. So. Yes. If you want, we will put in the show notes, if you have read the books, or you just don't care about spoilers and you want to know what happens in the books, um, let, uh, we will put uh, Preeti's um, podcast, Tarval and Bust, the link to the episode, because that just went up yesterday? Yeah, on uh, we posted our first three episodes covering the show on Saturday, and we are, like, 
basically we're contextualizing everything we watch within the scope of what we know from the books when we're at the end of book four in our reread and the first season of the television show from what I understand based on what Rafe Judkins the showrunner has said is covering story from the first three books okay because that was going to be one of my questions um for you my first question is I'm not interviewing you but I am interviewing you (laughs) my first question is as our resident wheel of time expert why has this series been called I I, keep in mind I know nothing about these books beyond like the first book is Eye of the World by Robert Jordan Mm -hmm. and it's like a very long series that was Robert Jordan died and Brian Sanderson continued them yes that's all I know Literally. So, um, why has this series has been called unadaptable, unfilmable? Why? It's massive. It's 14 books and they're all like teeny tiny font, 800 pages. Like it's a massive, massive series. And, and it's amazing. Like Jordan is maybe one of the most like prolific or committed to like detailed world building Mm -hmm. you know it's there's it is it truly would if they were making a a carbon copy adaptation like scene for scene it would take them 15 plus seasons 23 episodes a season and they still wouldn't fit everything it is so there are so many characters like there will be we used to joke about how like Jordan would have a character who shows up for a single line in book two and then in book nine he's like a major player and a plot specific like like necessary to the plot in a way that you're just like I don't even remember this guy like where did you come from and you'd have to like go back and try to figure out where you saw him for the first time so it's just it that's why I think because it was humongous like compared to game of thrones which currently has seven books four books five books five books five books books out seven books i think it's only supposed to be seven i don't actually know about that how many books are supposed to be total i just i don't know how many it's supposed to be total but there are currently five books right when the show started there were four because i read four in undergrad i think uh or there might be six out now i don't remember no there's five out because winds of winter is the sixth and oh winds of winter is the sixth yeah okay uh, there were four books out when I read Game of Thrones when I was an undergrad <laughs> so many moons ago. And that show, HBO offered the showrunners, you know, they did seven seasons, seven seasons, seven. right? Seven seasons. HBO offered them 10, I think. Mm-hmm. And that covered four and a half, five books. And it's not even like there's so much of the books that isn't in the sh- on the show. Exactly. So like. 14 books yeah un unadaptable Uh, that's why okay so we are um so right now the showrunners have said i think they have like eight seasons eight seasons mapped out mapped out so we are moving through this show at a pace it seems like the books at a pace like they are cutting a lot of the cutting a lot of it focusing on apparently on these i guess seven one two three four five six seven characters that we've you know started focusing on by the end of book end of episode three which we will go through in a second um what how do you feel and without getting too spoiler spoilery about it in terms of books how do you feel about what they're cutting versus what they're focusing on like does it give you hope does it give you are you frustrated are you irritated I am very happy with what they've done. I think 
it's clear when Rafe Judkin says he's mapped out eight seasons, he means that is the story. Okay. He has taken the full, the, and they have the benefit. Like Game of Thrones was not done. Yeah. When they started, they didn't know how it was going to, I mean, it's still, I think George R. R. Martin now is like, I don't know. We'll yeah. see. It'll happen when it happens. Um, Judkin's hugely benefited from the fact that the story is finished. Yes. And so knows what is needed and knows all of that. They had a book historian on site um while they were filming and while they were writing to make sure i think he's always said they want to maintain the spirit of the yes. books okay. and and i think they've done i've seen the first 6 episodes yeah and i think they've done a really admirable job of maintaining that spirit because and i wrote about this for polygon and we'll link to it in the show notes in my review which is pretty it's it's not spoilery um but They've taken what I think readers love most about the books, which is like the hope and the innocence of it and the like kind of joy of it and brought a lot of that to screen. Um, okay, so I think we can start kind of diving in. Yeah. Um, so I will say one of the things I have been kind of, I've decided, I actually just decided this like three days ago after seeing some of the reactions to episodes of the first three episodes was that I kind of don't want to know the book. Like usually I'm a read the books before I watch the show person, but it feels mm -hmm. like most of the people who are disappointed are people who've read the books and just their expectations weren't met. I, Which I, is totally fair. I understand that. Like that is like, you know, maybe they cut out a character or a plot or something that like, but like, I feel like I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like knowing more than I know now might color the way I'm experiencing it. It's funny. I think there are obviously like, I was like, there are going to be people who are disappointed because yes. you have those things you love and you have those pieces. And when they don't show up on screen, it's kind of like, oh, that's a, that's a bummer, right? Yeah. Um, I do think I I genuinely think the vast majority of people who have read the books and are watching the show are enjoying the show, mm -hmm. like a lot, um, because it's a very dedicated fan base. It's a very, very like open fan base, which is kind of nice. Obviously, nice. there are exceptions to every yes. everything. Um, but yeah, like I am so – I was very curious as to how – people who had not read the books would react because mm -hmm. I think one of the pieces I felt was a little were a little uneven in those first three episodes were the pacing and kind yeah. of the yeah. like uh how the information was presented yeah and I have okay um one more question I had for you kind of is uh like this is a very lived-in universe. Like, this is a very mm -hmm. lived-in world. That's actually one thing I really liked about it. It reminded me of Lord of the Rings in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you just come into this, and there's you you feel around you that there are thousands upon thousands of years of history around you that you maybe may or not... Does the book focus on that more? Because the show, we kind of get it in tidbits. And I'm like, I want to know more, but I also recognize they have to focus on what's going on yeah, now yeah it's hard because i that's one of my favorite things about the books yes. like jen so jen uh northington is my co-host for tarval and her bust and she and i like i read the first book when i was like 15 like like she read it when she was a kid like we have been following the series for years and years and years um and one of the best things and most interesting things jordan does in his books is create entire worlds and create entire cultures and histories of those cultures and looks at like 
how culture evolves and how communities evolve and what that means and how it impacts the whole world or whatever. Like there is this, like no spoilers, but there's this in, in the fourth book, there's this part where a character sees an entire community's uh, kind of like evolution and the cultural evolution of an entire community through the eyes of their like generations of their own family. Mm -hmm. And it's two chapters and Jen and I spent like an hour and a half on it Okay, because it's fascinating. And so we're not going to see, I'll be very amazed if they're able to bring that into that show with such a tight, they only get eight episodes for this season. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope we see some of it. Yeah. And because, like, that's the thing with Lord of the Rings, too. Like, if mm-hmm. the movies, you get three, you know, plus hours per movie. <laughs> um, and there's so much in, like, the append, Like, so much you just don't tell. There's so much story, more story that you don't tell. But I think they did a really good job balancing that. And I'm curious to see how this goes. Because we have gotten some of it here and there. Um, so I'm curious to see how this goes. Okay, let's start, let's start, um, I don't, it's up to, I don't know how, do you want to go, like, scene by scene, or just kind of talk about the bigger themes and the characters? Uh, it's up to you, I think. Like, it's, it's however you want to handle it. I think let's go with the bigger themes and characters. Um, like, okay, let's talk about, so every time I texted Preeti about this, she was like, oh, that character's the best. And I'm like, can you just <laughs> tell me who's not the best? Because you've said that about the past three characters I've texted you about. <laughs> so Bjarne Breathy, the best are Egwene. Yes. Nynaeve. Yes. Um, Lon. Yes. Um, Mor- uh, Moraine, Moiraine. obviously. Yeah. Yes. Is it Moiraine or Moraine? Moiraine. Moiraine. M-O-I. Okay. Moiraine and uh, Matt. Which- yes! Which is like the most unique name, considering you know, like to be fair. To be fair, his name is Matrim. It's M A T R I M. Okay, Um, and he goes by Matt or Matt. I don't actually can't. I think it's Matrim, not Matrim. Now I can't remember how the show pronounces it. Um, But yes, uh, like for me, and that's actually I I I I agree with that. Having only seen the first three episodes, Uh, Matt, I'm still my judgment is still out on because he seems like he just seems like somebody who self-sabotages a lot. Um, and that's going to irritate me, but I also like, he's a very likable character and he does the wrong thing for the right reasons. And like, that is very compelling to me. I love him so much. Egwene is, um, Egwene. I'm very curious to know more about. I feel like in some ways she is the main character of this series in some ways, I feel, or in the, of what we've seen on like it is in in some ways I feel like it is her story um but I am just very she seems she's like very much at a crossroads right now you know trying to decide between like pursuing magic and her relationship and all that and like I'm very intrigued by her but I feel like there's still a lot more to learn um uh, Moiraine again same thing super intrigued super really liking the the like friendship or mentorship relationship developing between her and Egwene mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how Nynaeve will react to that who from what I've seen of her is great but we missed out a lot on not having her in like basically one of the like one and a half of the episodes so um and then the people that you have determined are not the best <laughs> necessarily our parent who okay let's talk about his wife situation okay so this is i don't 
I don't think this is a spoiler because it's very I think it's very clear and I she he is not married in the books yeah I think that was clear they like so I think I can see it from the storyteller's point of view in that like everybody has a thing before the like real events of episode one starts like Mm -hmm. like um uh Egwene is like you know has her initiation ceremony is choosing between like magic and love um God, I always forget his name because he's so bland. Rand. Rand. Rand is like dealing with like (laughs) losing this woman that he clearly loves, you know, and his like father stuff, you know, his relationship with his father. Matt has his sisters and he's kind of the Rogan thief and Barry doesn't really have anything. So I do get why they did it, but like bad judgment people. So they introduced a character just to kill her off. I know. I, it's... The the series does not have a fridging and for for once like mm-hmm. does not have a fridging um and they invented one yes that said I have my theories based on what we've seen so far and I do not know like based on those first three episodes I have my theories on what is happening um because they do introduce so Perrin when and I I was able to interview the cast and and uh, showrunner back in October and I asked like sort of like what are some of these changes like why did you make some of the changes you chose to make and you know what Rafe said was because they had to age the characters up a little bit like in the books they're very very innocent like like a big through line and a little bit I don't know like annoying one to be honest is this whole idea of like they don't even know how to talk to girls like okay yeah you know like they're very young like when you meet Matt in the books he's like what if we release the chickens and like everybody gets scared you know it's like that kind of silly silly teenage boy prank stuff um and so Judkins basically what he said to me was we wanted to age them up and the odds are if you're like 20 in this tiny mountain village, one of them would be married. Yeah. I, I, I get that, but. But I think he was, I don't think he was lying, but I do think he You think was, there's a bigger, you think there's a bigger yes, story here. Okay. I do. Based on okay. what we've seen, based on this fact that like they don't even seem to like each other. Yeah. Right? I, it was very, it was, she was very odd. Very odd. Very, very odd. Like, Nynaeve has to tell Perrin, like, hey, Layla's not here. You should – it's really hard to work the forge alone. And mm-hmm. What? It was just so strange. He says, I love you, and she says, like, I know, and not in the good Star Wars way. Like, yeah. In the, like, yeah, I know kind of way. Was, yeah, there's something weird going on there. There's something weird. And we know, based on the second episode, that dark friends exist. So, like, I kind of think that Layla was a dark friend. Okay. I think she was a plant. Okay. I don't know. So, so let's, can we talk a little bit about, I can't remember if we skipped, Lon. Okay, Lon and Moiraine, I think, which is a, in, people had a lot of questions about, they're just friends, right? So the warder and Aes Sedai bond is like a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, you can feel each other's emotions. You um, have all these like, uh, connections and they show us that very well I think in the battle scene at the end mm-hmm. of the first episode where they're yes. like fighting in tandem it's super freaking cool um, but Lan and Moiraine are very specifically I, and I think this is what the bathtub scene was meant to illustrate which I, I I hated that scene so much I hated it so much 
but it was meant to illustrate how platonic their relationship okay. is, I think. Okay. Um, because yeah, that's it's not it's the not two clear. of them. It's it, I it was just and yeah. I don't think it changes anything either way. I'm happy either way, like, you know, like if they're romantically linked versus they're not, but it just wasn't clear. And so Yeah. I was just lots of questions there. Um oh, it's weird. It was. I hated it. (laughs) So, without getting into spoilers, can you tell me a little bit about the power structures here? Because I did not understand, like, are the White Cloaks, the government, and the Aes Sedai kind of a... I I was very confused. Am I asking too spoilery of a question? No, I don't think so. I think... Just, um... like, I feel like I just need a little bit more background than what they've given us. Because I don't understand why one is... Like, the White Cloaks are hunting the Aes Sedai, like... Yeah, I think they... (sighs) It's this is where it, this is where the like unadaptability comes out, I think, and I uh-huh. think they've done as good a job as they can given their time constraints. Yeah. Um. But the White Cloaks are basically uh, an extremist religious faction. Okay. Who okay. hate? They they will arbitrarily um call people dark friends. They will like uh and torture them. Like they believe they. So they hate and, both sides. It's not just. The Aes Sedai is the dark side too, both of it's, them. It's they, everything they do supposedly is in the name of the light. Okay. Um, but they are power hungry and they are extremist and they are zealots. Okay. So I think that is, that's that scene in the second episode where um, we see Amon Balda and uh, Joffrey Barnhold. Joffrey Barnhold is the white man with the beard mm-hmm. and uh, Amon Balda is the black man um questioner Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand in that moment and I still don't understand why they made Joffrey Barnhold the leader of the White Cloaks the leader of that faction of the White Cloaks so seem so reasonable Mm -hmm. because he's also a zealot okay so like that was very confusing to me I will say I thought Abdul Salis I have been thinking about that line who played uh, Amon Valda I have been thinking about the line he said where he says I will not forget your faces should we meet again since I heard him say it because mm-hmm. it is one of the most chilling deliveries and like, oh, he's so good. It's very ominous. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, so basically, most of these three episodes, it's understandable why they dropped all three at once. This is all set up. Yes. Um, of like the larger story, the larger universe, the world building, the journey that these characters are going to go on. Um and yeah, I think it was really, it was fascinating. I think I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed watching all three of them. I was absolutely hooked. Um, That's awesome. I love hearing that. I was yeah. like, I want, it's been picked up, I think, for three seasons. Yeah. I want to say, and I want them to keep going. So I'm, I'm like, what are you most looking forward to seeing? I think right now, like, there's a lot of questions, especially the third. I think it was it was very well done to drop the first three instead of traditionally, I think, would be the first two. Because after the first two, there aren't a lot of questions, I feel mm-hmm. like. I feel like episode three is where a lot of questions really get opened up. Who is, like, Bard Aragorn? Tom! <laughs> like, what is going on there? Because, like, clear, like, he, like, swoops in at the end and, like, in a very Aragorn-style way and is like, we gotta go. I'm going, you know, east. And he's very not specific about where he's going. He's just going east. Um, But we know that's the direction of the White Tower. So 
he's gonna it seems like he's gonna become a little bit of a guide to these two like hapless souls (laughs) um it's like what's his connection a the dark friend stuff like that Mm -hmm. is very interesting and compelling and um especially because i loved that character you know when she's first introduced and so that was super interesting what's going on with parent and the wolves (laughs) i want to know like there's clearly some sort of wolf whisper thing going on um like she mentioned the five of them yeah so who's the fifth person my my theory is that is naive because uh moraine was like kind of digging into her past a little bit with her and she was like i think like a foundling and like you know like was adopted by the people and some of the people in the two rivers village and so it's very possible that despite the fact that her birth date is not like recorded she could be like born on the right or not like but i'm very curious as to how she tracked lan because like how i love it so much what happened there and then he was the best who's this <laughs> guy that blonde Sedai? you know, captured saying that he's the reborn dragon or whatever. So there's a lot of like littler questions that episode three, I think opened up that two did like, if I'd watched the first two, two episodes, I would be like, Oh, this is a really interesting series. I'm curious to see where it goes, but I don't know that I would have had any like specific questions, but Mm -hmm. with episode three, now I'm like, Oh, I have like specific questions I want to get the answer to. And I think that is kind of, that is a that's that's the art of this kind of you know this form of sequential storytelling like of serialized narrative like i have larger questions but also small questions and like like i i think it's very it was very well done dropping these first three episodes and i am like there's so i think that's all of them but i have like and i I do want to know more about the world like the whole thing with the like with the dead city like i'm like what the I like know. that Shadow was super, got this terrifying yeah like it was super um terrifying and what you talk about between these like these like threads of narrative in the book i'm really curious to see how they replicate that like will we see the city again at the end of season two well but you know will we ever like is it just going to be one of those things like in lord of the rings where they like drop the name and then you know, it turns out there's like 2000 years of back history you could read if you read the appendices or not and keep going. Or are we going to like find out the answer, you know, like th- that type of stuff, like not yeah. this specifically, but just like, are we going to find out what happened to that? Like the inhabitants of that village? Like, I mean, I think it's I think what you bring up about this idea of like specific questions is very interesting because something that Jordan does in the book and that you obviously cannot do in the television show, but it's intrinsic to how Jordan tells his stories is use of perspective. Mm -hmm. It is a big deal whose perspective we are in Mm -hmm. um, when Jordan is telling us the story and he moves around, but he makes very specific choices about whose eyes we are seeing through when we see specific parts of the story. And the show I think is doing this in a very subtle way, Mm -hmm. in a very smart way. I have my theories on like how it's going to play out. Um, But a lot of the questions you ask yourself while you're reading the books are very different than the ones you ask yourself while you're watching the show. And I think uh, the way Judkins has presented it and, and I hadn't thought about it in that way before of this idea of like, I need the audience to be asking 
questions to get them to pull them back in for the Uh next week and it's it's very very interesting the questions they've chosen for the audience to ask yeah I I agree with that and I also think that like with this kind of high fantasy storytelling you have to have them especially in the first few episodes which again why it makes sense they drop the first three at once Mm -hmm. uh because you you have to like it is really hard to build a world to build characters and to like keep the narrative going all at the same time in these short, you know, rel- you know, hour long episodes. So I think they're um, like, and that's like a, something that necessary, something like the MCU or like Star Trek, Star Wars doesn't have to do. They don't have to build a world. No, already, they don't. You're already, you know, they, so these shows, they have to build the world. And I think one of your concerns, I think was in the first episode, there wasn't quite enough world building. Yes. And I responded to that with, but we got to know the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of cases, world building can come later in a story. Like you have to connect with the characters first with like, yeah. which like Egwene, I immediately connected with her. Um, like I, she's like, she's fantastic. I, I think it's, she's really great. She's one of like the main driving forces from, from episode one for me to tune in to episode two, but now my motivations are different. I want to know more about mm-hmm. these characters and more about the world. And so I think it's, I think, I think they did a good job um, balancing that. Yeah, I agree. And I will say, I think every episode is better than the one that comes before it, which That's is great. great. Um, and there, what's interesting. So there was a moment in the first episode. And again, this is not a spoiler, but in the books, Egwene is the only monk, uh, only one among the four of them to choose to go. Okay. She makes a conscious choice to go. It is not that she's like dragged along. She decides. And I was really sad for that moment to get lost and not like dinging the show for it at all because it, based on what they're doing, like it 100 makes sense the way they presented it. But that intentionality brought a lot to her character. Yeah, that agency, that moment of like decision meant a lot to me for Egwene. And I was happy to see they pull that in, that thread in later. Yeah. It's funny because I was just thinking literally yesterday about one of the reasons I don't want to know too much about the books before watching was because like knowing in Lord of the Rings – like one of the things I really like hooked on with uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, like having like knowing those books so well, was that Faramir was the one character mm. who was not tempted, like the one who was not yeah. tempted by the ring, and they changed that narrative, and that that was like that I sucks. understand why they changed the narrative, and he wasn't really necessarily overly tempted by the ring as as much as what it would represent to his father but like it like that was like that was a huge thing for me watching it for the first few times like I was just like but Faramir is not tempted by the ring that's the whole thing about his character and so like it's and I feel like it's funny that you say that because I feel like this is the same thing and that's part of why I'm like I'm good not knowing Mm -hmm. because I don't want to hook on those like you know moments and then feel disappointed well what's also nice is i think it's going to be exciting if people do want to go read the books yeah i'm you know? still like i don't want to read the books like yes. after especially after i see this season mm-hmm. and then i know like how far they get how far would you say they are at this point in the books i've heard they're mo- like they're moving very fast they're moving very very quickly and they've made some uh changes just for the sake of they have to um but yeah, like I said, the the first season is going to cover pieces of the first three books and 
the prequel, mm-hmm. um, A New Spring. So the first season covers kind of character and story from all those four books, uh, which is great because, like I said, Jen and I for Tarvalin or Bust are only – we just wrapped the fourth book. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just like a little bit ahead of where that's the really good going. so you guys can like kind of get into you know mm-hmm. comparing the two which we do at great length <laughs> um, is there anything else that I haven't um, I think I I want to say because I feel like I feel a little bit bad for Rand <laughs> Okay, okay. Like, to be fair, I am not. Like, I'm not being no, very nice. No, I just keep forgetting his name. And I'm like, he's the only one whose name I can't remember. I know. But there's literally a podcast called Everybody Hates Rand. Oh. <laughs> They're very good. I love it. It's very, very good. Um, but I think Yosha Stradowski, who is playing Rand, I think all of them are good. Uh, Yosha Stradowski, who's playing Rand, is great. Um, I I just think the character is who the character is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and I think like, what we've yeah. seen on screen is that, like, he's mad at Egwene for choosing something else over him. And that's not, you know, it's like, come on, dude. Like, I think, she could do a lot better than you. <laughs> I think that he I, – I actually don't think he's mad at Egwene. I think he is unsettled by how quickly his life has shifted. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. I, yeah, I think it's less – about Egwene, I think she is becoming the focus. Just I was going to say, I think she's also the personification because exactly. she tells him that she is going to go off and do this thing, and he's like trying to come to terms with that. And then his village gets attacked, and his father right. almost dies. And 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 she is kind of this the person in front of him that he can say mm-hmm. like, you know, not this is your fault because I don't think he feels that way at all. But like she is just seeing her reminds him of that seismic shift. Yes, and so it is. This is where you kind of lose the, like, perspective mm-hmm. that Jordan uses because, you know, you get to be inside everybody's heads yeah. in the books in a way that you cannot do. And the show is trying to balance that and succeeds really great in some places and not so much in other places. Um, like, I thought the scene with him and the the woman who played the dark friend was when they're, like, just before she shifts was great. I think it was fantastic. Right? Yeah gives us so much personality gives us a reason to like root for him in Mm -hmm. in a wonderful way and so yeah i feel like all the kids are good obviously like marcus uh marcus rutherford who's playing perrin uh but barney harris as matt is my favorite Mm -hmm. followed by zoe robbins who's playing nynaeve and Mm -hmm. then madeline madden who's playing Egwene. they're so good i think they're like the casting in this is just fantastic so good Um, right um and okay so one more thing i want to say is um a thing i texted you yesterday is the representation Mm -hmm. in this series is the first time i've ever seen a fantasy series where it's not just that people of color exist but in an authentic way where they're just there everywhere everywhere you look crowd scenes you know in that tavern at episode three like there's everywhere lots of people of color and that's just the fact of the world and that is so like it's so simple, but there's you know there was a lot of thought put into this, um, and it is truly groundbreaking. And it was really nice to see. It made me feel included in this universe from the beginning. Yes, it's it's quite. I think they did a really good job casting very wide. Um, Jen and I dig into this a little bit on the show, and I wrote about it a little bit in my review for Polygon. There is some like colorism, but I think that's mm-hmm. just 
we're just moving forward. Like everything has to be a little bit better than the yeah. thing before it, right? Uh, and so I, I I agree with you. I think it's really wonderful to see everything be so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. We can acknowledge, we can um, celebrate the wins while also acknowledging there's there's a lot more work, work. to do. Mm-hmm. But I think I think not taking the moment to celebrate the win um, and just demanding perfection from the outset is um, not a great. I mean, it's just not going to get you anywhere. So I'll take the win and acknowledge there is a long way to go. Yes. that's the key right it's like balancing um but yeah I'm so excited I just I really want it I want them to be able to get their eight seasons I want Mm -hmm. them to be able I would like it too I would like to be able to see the whole story especially knowing it's mapped out and so they're it's mapped out and like just everyone's always you're always afraid of like a game of thrones situation yeah. where it just like falls apart and like there's so much it's so much less likely to happen when you have this like thought that goes into it and the guy clearly wants to do eight seasons it's not like you know in season six they're like we'll give you two to three more seasons to finish and they're like nope we'll just no, terribly wrap it, it up in one he-, <laughs> he has it he has the whole story and like jordan i will say also like jordan when he passed away he passed away i want to say after the Hence book, I think. Um, but he had he knew he was he was sick for for quite a little while, and so he had extensive notes mm-hmm. for whoever was going to finish the series. And so the series, you know, there is a shift in writing. People have their opinions about how well Brandon Sanderson did with the last. Like it was supposed to be one book, but there were so many notes it broke into three. Um, but it does the entire story is Jordan's. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he created the entire story. He had a beginning, middle, and end. And so Judkins can pull that because also Jordan's widow has been very uh, instrumental in bringing this series to TV all, as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so it just feels good to know that everybody's on board. Everyone's excited. Everyone yeah. cares so deeply. So I just, like, just, just do it. Just give them eight seasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's I think it's you know yeah I think I would love to see it. Yes, you're gonna um, read the books one day. It's we'll gonna see. happen one day. <laughs> so I was like, I am not committing to that. I am like not committing because like God knows it's hard to get through like a 300 page book right now. Much less I will like say, multiple like thousand page books. I will say, Rosamund Pike, I guess, has uh, narrated the first book. Oh, as the audio and um, our friend Paul Montgomery is listening to it and he said it was very very good he's really enjoying it so if you're into audiobooks apparently it's a great it's a great listen um okay so what are you doing right now oh my gosh so that wheel of time coverage for polygon uh which we will link to and tarval and our bust um where just to go a little bit more in depth jen and i literally eight to 10 chapters at a time every two weeks, dig into the book. Like we do very, very close readings. We talk about intention and craft and story. It's really fun. Um, We have a Patreon where we hang out with other like Wheel of Time nerds. The episodes go up every other Wednesday for books and for the television show, they go up Saturday at noon. Um, So if you are interested in digging into more things Wheel of Time, please come hang out with us. It's really fun. Uh, and then, obviously, I am writing the second Spider-Man book right now. Uh, and so that's going. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's going. 
what it's going. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I was like, I'm in that place at the de- of deadlines where it's like, it's going to get done because it has to get done. Yeah. You just like repeat that stuff to yourself over and over. I'm going to wake up like the morning after my deadline and it will be done. It'll be done because it has to be. Yeah. These IP books, there is no room for extensions because they're always on such tight schedules. So. Oh, God. So it is going to be what it is going to be. Everything is fine. <laughs> what are you doing? I am still doing Star Trek Prodigy recaps um, at StarTrek.com, but the first season is doing something a little bit weird. They're airing, they aired the, just aired the fifth episode and they're taking a break, coming back in January. Um, and then airing five more episodes, I believe, and then taking another break huh. and then airing 10 episodes to cap out a 20 episode first season. My guess is they're combining seasons one and two. I, I have no inside information. Like right for Star Trek.com does not like, I have no idea <laughs> what, about anything. I find out things when everybody else does, but my guess is they are so behind on, um, like the anime, like I know, like they're, they promised that the show would drop in 2021. And my guess is because of COVID, they are really, really behind on like animating and they just need more time. Like, mm-hmm. for example, the show drops on Thursdays and like some of these screeners have been rolling in like Wednesday, like wow. midday. Yeah, I think they are finishing them and just pushing them out. So I think they're really behind. That's wild. Yeah, it is wild. So I think they're giving them more time and they just combined the first two seasons um because of that like basically they're just like all right let's let's like that way um so they can and they're I think they're trying to keep Star Trek going like year round as well and so that having that those last 10 episodes in the bag to just like fill in a gap if they need it is Mm -hmm. is um because rumors are that and by rumors I mean Star Trek (laughs) Star Trek prodigy like producer said something in a comment on reddit <laughs> so that star trek picard's dropping at the end of february 2022 so my guess is we're going to like we're gonna have um discovery and then prodigy and then picard and then strange new worlds and then um, my goodness yeah and then we're gonna have the back half of the prodigy season which will lead into you know, whatever, like probably lower deck season three. Like, so I think it's just going to, yeah, it's just going to be this thing. Anyway, all of that is to say, I am still doing Star Trek Prodigy recaps, but my last one just went up and then next one will go up at the beginning of January. And I am still doing my wired column on video games and it is a lot of fun. Um, What are we into? I signed up for the free week of DC Universe Infinite, which is the like Marvel Unlimited version for DC, because I was like, oh, I'll try, I'll try this out. And then I forgot to cancel it. And now I have a month. And so I've read like probably like 400 issues about Robin, various oh, Robins. Like I did all the Nightwing stuff. I've done all the Tim Drake stuff. I'm going to do Teen Titans next, I think. But I am... This is bringing up a very interesting uh, thought about mantles in comic books. Mm -hmm. And I feel like DC really epitomizes with Robin how to have characters that exist within and without the mantle Mm -hmm. and have them be distinct and have them – it's all valid. Like they all are Robin, Mm -hmm. but they are such vastly different characters it works so, so, so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- literally all I'm doing is just reading about these like disaster bat fam. Like, oh, these poor children. Batman is so fucked up. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. just so fucked up. And they are, they're so good and, well, not pure, but they're so good and they try so hard. Yeah. And I love them so much. Most of them. But yeah, that's it. That's all I've been doing. So if anyone wants to talk to me about Nightwing or Tim Drake, I'm around. <laughs> um, I am. I'm doing a couple of things. First, I started, we, like my husband and I started watching Doom Patrol on HBO Max which is really good very weird very weird the mistake we made was starting it like two weeks before like all the content started dropping so like we are we got through the first couple of episodes pretty in a pretty brisk pace and now we're probably gonna slow down but anyway it's really good it's um the casting is just fantastic like Matt Bomer, Brendan Fraser like just very good casting um so that's one thing. Another thing is I finally started For All Mankind season two. Uh, I absolutely adored the first season. It's on Apple. Uh, it's like on the Apple TV plus. It's like an mm-hmm. alternate history of what if the Russians beat us to the moon, oh, to a moon landing. Um, I finally started the second season. The first season was so good, but so tense. And there's just been some things going on in my life. I can't be too stressed out or anxious. So um, right now, like I'm just like taking a break from all that. So it's a really good time to, dive back into that show and I've gotten like through like th- the first three or four episodes fantastic um and then Jurassic World Evolution 2 the for I've played the first game and I was obsessed it's basically you could get to create your own theme park like dinosaur theme park so you're it's like villain. it's like Sim City except like running a dinosaur park but you're the villain and you have to make sure well yeah but you have to make, well you can be you can you can create a park where you like care for the dinosaurs welfare uh, okay <laughs> and you like increase their genome to 100 and you try to create them as authentically as possible and like you like you or you can like stay you can like stage dinosaur fights like oh it, it gives you the like f- freedom but like there's a really cool it's just a really like you can like decide whether to be more science focused and like attract like more nature loving fans or like more luxury you can build like luxury hotels and be like luxury because like it's like it's very like it's actually very like thoughtfully done and um it also has scenarios from the various movies and it's like don't make the same mistakes you know like they did in the movies and like so like i just got through the jurassic original jurassic park one and when dennis ready nedry sabotaged the fences i had double fencing around the t-rex and the <laughs> so like it i was able to get through that like so it's like it's and like I, I don't know and i'm also like weirdly obsessed with all the jurassic movies no, i love it so um i eat it yeah like i was like, eat it, dennis nedry like it was it was uh it was really great and you get to like send your expeditions around the world to go like mine fossils and like you can like it's i don't know and like you hire scientists who are like specialize in different things it's like i don't know it's very it's a thoughtfully done game and like i love like sim type games but like i lose so much of my life to them so I don't play them very often um but this one's very good so i highly recommend it if you like that sort of thing um and i think that is it for me it just, it just makes me laugh because i'm thinking of like just <laughs> you never asked if you should yeah oh no and jeff goldblum is like his voice as like you know ian malcolm is like just yelling at you a lot of the time yeah and it's like it's really funny like it is like so the main like campaign the storyline of the game takes place after the second movie jurassic world movie second jurassic world movie where all the dinosaurs are free and you have to go like they're letting the herbivores just like wander and like be free but you have to go get the carnivores that are like eating people 
and like livestock and so you have to go like get them and like put them in enclosures species yeah and so like it is it's 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 very it's it's very well done i'm really um i'm really enjoying it um all right we are part of the hard knock life podcast network you can find all of the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C, like nerds of color. Yes. Um, and Patreon subscribers, thank you to Meredith, the $12 level, and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knot family, Priya, Keisha, Ruth, and Kavitha, the $5 level. You can find our, our us on Patreon at the link in the show notes. Um, and of course, again, if you want a holiday card, please either sign up for Patreon at the $2 level by December 1st or send us $3 via PayPal uh, with your mailing address mm-hmm. also by December 1st. Thank you. Um, and I think that's it. Where can the, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. They can find me on Twitter at Krishna. <laughs> um, and they can find you on Twitter at Run with Skizzers. Mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Tumblr and everything. I am I am Twitter on Instagram and S Krishna um as well. Yeah, I'm like, what are we doing? I did just update my website, ppchebra.com. Please be impressed. Yes, I need to do that too. New Year. New Year is gonna be a new year resolution. It's not <laughs> happening before. Uh and so until next time. Until next time, we will we'll see, see you. See you in hell. Oh.